You have been a fun congregation to put up with all my shenanigans. And it has been fun having fun with you as we've worshipped our Lord God. And it's a tremendously sacred and holy thing, but God wanted us to celebrate. I believe that God has a sense of humor. And I think I got a little bit of that part of his image. I want to just thank you, each and every one of you, for the gift that you have been to me as your interim pastor and to my wife, Donna, now as your pastor of pastoral care and visitation. You have ministered to us in so many ways that you can't even imagine. I have truly enjoyed my ministry here at Faith Covenant Church. And I have truly enjoyed serving this community of Sumner and the outlying areas of serving this community with you, side by side. And it is my prayer that you will continue to do that as a congregation, to work with one another, to work with your church council, and to work with our pastor, Pastor Kurt. The ministry you called to me to for the last two plus years has been a wonderful way for me to end my career. I can't think of a better script. I will continue to minister in the Lord's name, but it'll no longer be as a career pastor. It'll be a different phase of my life. And I will always love and I will always pray for each of you. One of the blessings of being your pastor is that you trusted me with your stories. Pastors are bearers, keepers of the story. It's one of our roles, and I appreciate that trust that you placed in me. Some of those stories take form in sacrament. We'll be celebrating the Lord's Supper today or in ritual, or celebrating life markers, or rites of passage. Thank you for the privilege of serving with you in that way. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1, to our text today. And I'm going to begin at verse 6. For our scripture. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. Be strong, be courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to your forefathers to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night, so that you may be able to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The word of the Lord. Let me set the stage for you a little bit on this. If you turn back just a few pages to the front of your, towards the front of your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 31, we have here a conversation between Moses and the Lord. 
The mantle of leadership is being passed on. Reading in verse 6, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their forefathers to give to them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's the passing of the baton. I used to run uh, once in a while. My uh, best event was the 120-yard high hurdles. But in track, I also occasionally would run the 880 uh, relay, which was four legs of 220s. And uh, the most important thing of a relay race is that baton pass. That can cost you those precious hundreds, tenths, or even seconds if you flub that baton pass. And I think that this stage of my life kind of depicts that passing of the mantle of leadership. Now passing it on to you all and to our church leaders and to our pastor that God has called here. And so the question is, what's next? It's actually, ever since I announced my retirement, a question you've been asking me. What's next for me? We'll get to that in a minute. But in Deuteronomy, it's obvious that, that there's a passing of the responsibilities of leading God's people into their future. And in Deuteronomy 34, verse 9, we see that Moses dies. I'm not dead yet, but uh, that's coming soon enough. (laughs) And the question is, what's next? And our text in Joshua is to lead them. And God tells them, let's get ready. Let's go. It's time to pack up. It's time to do this new thing. I am going to give to you what I promised to you. A reality of life is transitions. A reality of life is change. It's something that comes whether we want it or not. And Pastor Kurt is now God's anointed to carry on God's will and work here at Faith Covenant Church. And so what's next? God's future for our church, that's what's next. And there's lots of hope, there's lots of ideas, there's lots of brainstorming, there's lots of listening but what's next? And so several of you have asked about my plans, and frankly, I don't know yet. But you know something? I know God. And I'm not worried. I'm not worried at all. I know that He has blessed me, and He will use me. I know that He has blessed you, and will use you. God works in ways that we can't always see. And remember, God has a track record. This wasn't the first time with Moses and Joshua. Uh, I've asked Donna to read Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Okay, we'll try it again. You always get a second chance here. That's great. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. And I'm not quite 75. Just to make that perfectly clear. Abraham, Sarah, go. Go from everything that's familiar. Go from that which is comfortable. Go from that to, uh, that is so convenient for you. Go. No AAA triptych. No game, game, game plan with X's and O's on it to know exactly what you're supposed to do. Rather, the Lord says, I, God, I saw that. <laughs> I, God, will show you. And what did Abram do? Abram went. It says in verse 4, he went. In verse 8, he went. In verse 9, it says, Abram set out and continued. He obeyed God. And it wasn't all peaches and cream because we read in verse 10 of Genesis chapter 12 that there was a famine in the land and he had to make a detour down to Egypt. Sometimes there are detours in life. There are troubles, there are difficulties, challenges, the unexpected, temptations and trials And brothers and sisters, we don't know what's around the next bend. You must let go of the old in order to get the new. The best picture I can give you of that is my grandkids. And they want these toys that are all over the floor, and they take and pick them up, and pretty soon they don't know how to juggle them and get them all in. And they're trying to get, there's always one more that they want, you know, and they don't know how to get it in. And you sometimes have to let go of these to get the new. And especially if there's two grandchildren that want the same toy. Go, go. And I want to hear that Christ in Faith Covenant Church, uh, that you guys went. Back to Joshua in our text in Joshua chapter 1. How do we do this? How do we pull this off? How do we pull off whatever is next? And in verse 5 it says, No one can stand against you. No one can stand against you. God has a track record, and He says, I will be with you, Faith Covenant Church. You're not in this alone. In Isaiah chapter 49, verse 16, it's written even more poignantly. It says there, we are engraved in the palms of His hands. And I think that was a marker pointing to the cross. In Joshua 1.6, be strong and courageous. In Joshua 1.7, be strong and very courageous. In Joshua 1.9, do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous. We need to be careful and we need to be prayerful to obey. Because obedience <clears throat> leads to success. Obedience. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. We react against that. It rubs us the wrong way. We can be so pig-headed, or what the Bible calls stiff-necked. There's a story that's told of a captain of a ship who looked into the dark night and saw faint lights in the distance and immediately told his signalman to send a message, alter your course 10 degrees south. Promptly, the message returned after it had been received, says, alter your course 10 degrees to the north. The captain was angry. His command had been ignored, and so he sent a second message. Alter your course, 10 degrees to the south. I am the captain. 
Soon another message was received. Alter your course, 10 degrees uh, north. I am a seaman, third class, Jones. Immediately, the captain sent another message, knowing the fear that it would evoke. Alter your course. I am a battleship. And the reply came back. Alter your course, 10 degrees north. I am a lighthouse. (laughs) Obedience. It's one of those things that's very important in life, very important in the Christian life, that we follow what it is that God teaches us based on His Word. Obedience leads to success, it says in Joshua 1.8, and makes our way prosperous. And I want to check that out with you for a moment. Just think of it. God, our Creator, the Creator of the universe, the Creator of our earth and everything in it, everything is under His control. And He has designed men and women physically, emotionally, and relationally to impact our world for Him. God has given us His Word, His love letter to provide a foundation, to give us the principles to be successful. And did you see it in verse 7? Be very careful to obey. This book, verse 8, the Scriptures of God, the Word of God, We are to follow, to do everything that is written in it. Then we'll prosper. Then we'll be successful in living for Christ. Then we will be what the covenant calls healthy and missional. Healthy means to pursue Christ, to know Him more and better. And missional means to pursue Christ's objective, His purposes, which is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with all. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, it gives us a little more detail. It tells us that we will be praising God in the midst of this. That we will be enjoying favor of all those around. Which means that they will notice in us something that they say, we need that, we want that. What have you got that I haven't got? Because they will see you living out Christ and will feel that that is something that they need to follow through on. God has given us His Word, His love letter to provide this foundation for us. Do we believe it? I want to leave with you a few suggestions, benchmarks for monitoring the success of this church and its future ministry. The first one is to have an unwavering purpose for Christ, to have this healthy missional pursuit of our Lord and His mission. The second one is to be committed to kindness. Be people who are warm, friendly. Kindness was our word today, wasn't it, for the virtue that the kids will be studying. Uh, An attitude of acceptance in our relationships. People who are uh, out there in our world are desperate for this. Thirdly, to work as a team, to work together, to work with our pastor to work with the church council and the leaders of various committees and commissions, to work with one another to carry out this task that God has given to us. And the fourth one comes from Romans chapter 5, 3 and 4. Be persistent. Perseverance leads to character. Character leads to hope. Practice the attitude of I can. How? Through Jesus Christ. Fifth, go the extra mile. Give your relationships attention. Show enthusiasm. Give encouragement. Be hospitality. 
and hospitable. Be generous. Sixth, know the importance of prayer. We had a prayer service here Friday night, 67 people here. Our choir and some from the Christian church joined our choir to make beautiful music, to set a mood for us to come to God in conversation. It was a powerful time. We'll probably have another one of those in a couple, three months. So plan to come and be a part of that. But we need to be a people of prayer. We need, God longs for us to have a personal relationship with He, to be in conversation with Him. And number seven, be immersed in God's Word. God is a lover of our souls. God is a lover of each and every single one of you. And He wrote this love letter we call the Scriptures, the Bible, God's Holy Word. He wrote that to express His love for us and how we can love Him back and how we can love one another better. And that's just for starters. Joshua 1.9, it gives us a warning. It says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Fear and discouragement so often creep in. Pay attention to the Lord and His command because He said He will go with us. Every step of the way, He will be with each and every one of us. What have I told you about when something is repeated in the Scriptures? Anybody recall what I tell you when something's repeated in the Scripture? It means it's important. It's important. Deuteronomy 32.47 These are not just idle words for you. They are your life. And so just review for a moment. 31 verse 6, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Verse 31, 7, be strong and courageous. Verse 31, uh, or chapter 31, verse 8, do not be afraid. Verse 23, be strong and very courageous. Joshua 1, 6, be strong and courageous. 1, 7, be strong and very courageous. 1, 9, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. 118, only be strong and courageous. You think God wants to get something through to us? You think? That doesn't even make you go, hmm. Paul puts it a little differently in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone, everyone who believes. God's an equal opportunity Savior. There's nothing so bad that you've done that will keep you from His love. Paul instructs a young pastor named Timothy this way in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. He says, For the Spirit of God gave us not a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. So what's next? What's next? A chicken and a pig were walking to church one Sunday having a conversation. (laughs) And the chicken got this bright idea and suggested to the pig, hey, tell you what, we'll give bacon and eggs. The pig observed, you know, that's easy for you to say. (laughs) That's just a day's work for you as a chicken. That's a lifetime commitment for me as a pig. 
And so I want to leave you with a few word pictures uh, or visual pictures. Uh, first, we've got a video clip. church is too often like the former video clip, not often enough like the second video clip. In the first one, they were trying all the things they knew within their own power to solve their problems. In the second clip, the car was driving along where there was no road, seemingly. The Lord was preparing the way. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Are you ready to take a walk? Two of Satan's favorite tools for neutralizing the church and its witness are gossip and judgmentalism. And so, Freddie Faultfinder wants to remind you <laughs> that we do not want you to be judgmental people picking out the faults of other people, the little specks in their eye, when there seems to be something wrong with my own eye. And so, we don't want gossip, we don't want judgmentalism. We want you instead to follow God's word. As a church, we are called to be a hospital for sinners, to bring about God's healing in hearts. We're not called to be a nursing home for saints, but sometimes we get that backwards. I've often said to our leaders as we've talked, our church needs to be here for the people that aren't here yet. Now, that doesn't mean we forget all of you. We need you all working with us together to go and get them, the ones that aren't here yet, to be a part of God's family. Or to put it another way, a modern-day parable. On a dangerous seacoast where shipwrecks often occur, there was a crude little life-saving station. The building was just a hut, and there was only one boat. And a few devoted members keeping constant watch over the sea with no thought to themselves. They went out day and night tirelessly searching for the lost. Some of those who were saved and various others in the surrounding area wanted to become associated with the station and gave of their time and money and effort to support its work. New boats were bought. New crews were trained. A little life-saving station, well, it grew. Some of the members of the life-saving station were unhappy that the building was so crude and poorly equipped. They felt they wanted a more comfortable place where they could gather. So they replaced the emergency cots with beds. They put in better furniture. They enlarged the building. And now the life-saving station became a popular gathering place for its members. And they decorated it exquisitely. They even had a liturgical boat sitting up in the front. Fewer members are now interested in going to sea on life-saving missions. So they hire lifeboat crews to take care of that work. The life-saving motif still exists. But about this time, a very large ship was uh, wrecked on the rocks off the coast. And the hired crews brought in boatloads of wet, cold, half-drowned people. They were dirty and sick. Some of them had white skin. Some of them had black skin. Some had yellow skin. And the beautiful new club was in chaos. 
And so the property committee immediately met to build a shower house outside of this where the victims could clean up before coming inside. At the next meeting, there was a split in the membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the life-saving activities as being unpleasant and a hindrance, inconvenient, uncomfortable. Some members insisted on the life-saving was their primary purpose and pointed out they're still called a life-saving station. But they were finally voted down. And they were told that if they wanted a life-saving station, they could go build one someplace else. And so they did. As the years went by, the new station experienced the same changes that occurred in the old one, and it evolved into a club, and yet another life-saving station was founded. History continued to repeat itself, and today, if you visit that seacoast, you'll find a number of exclusive clubs and resorts along that shore. Shipwrecks are frequent, but most of the people drown. Jesus taught in parables for a reason. They're powerful, powerful reminders. Remember your roots. Remember your foundation as a church. Ever since George Whitworth found this church in 1883, the Bible has been the foundation on which it was built. Those roots in God's word have carried us for over 130 years as a church in this community. And especially the last four years where we went through all sorts of changes. Why? Because we followed God's word. And I am so proud of each and every one of you for daring to take those steps of faith. And so what's next? Well, frankly, it's to be continued. And you are writing the future chapters. I want to share this message and song in closing. Through sacrifice, oh, heed the faithful word. 
words of Christ. Scripture's words long preserved for the walk in this world. They resound with God's own heart. Oh, let the ancient words impart. Ancient words ever true, changing me and changing you. We have come with open hearts. Oh, let the ancient words impart. Ancient words ever true, changing me and changing you. We have come with open hearts. Oh, let the ancient words impart. Ancient words ever true, Changing me and changing you, we have come with open hearts, so oh, let the ancient words impart. words ever true, changing me and changing you, we have come with open hearts, so oh, let the words impart. We have come with ancient hearts. That was a, too true. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you for your word, ever true. May we live with open hearts as we serve you, as we serve one another, as we serve our community. In your name we pray, amen.